Kiara. Welcome to Voices of Resilience Radio. Welcome to Voices of Resilience Radio. This show provides real stories of resilience and post-traumatic growth from people like me who have lived through trauma and difficult times during childhood, adolescence, and or adulthood. This show talks about what is strong, not what is wrong. It challenges a deficit approach in therapy and mental health and focuses on a strength-based approach. If you'd like to be part of this show and talk about your story of resilience or post-traumatic growth, please contact me from my website at chrissygilmore.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-S-Y-G-I-L-L-M-O-R-E.com. Great. So welcome to Voices of Resilience Radio. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. And this is Dave. Hey, how's it going? Hey, great, great. Yeah, so I wanted to welcome you on the show. And and here we are, we're gonna talk a wee bit about your story today. And I'm really curious about you. Um, I'm really curious to learn more about you, your background and the resilience that you've used in your journey. Yeah, so if you're okay to jump right into it. Sure. Okay. I grew up in a small town in New Zealand, and um, um, my mother was uh, grew up speaking German in the the mountains uh, of Nelson. Oh wow! <laughs> she, yeah, she was. Um, uh, her parents were both from Austria. They came out after the war, and uh, so they didn't know any English. They were speaking um, uh, uh, archaic form of uh, Austrian German. Um, and uh, so that's what they grew up speaking until they went to school and wow. then they could come back and teach the uh, my grandma and grand, uh, grandfather um, uh, how to speak English. Wow. <laughs> so it's unusual on that side. Um, and did, they, did they immigrate or when they... Yeah, were... they, okay. they did. It's quite an interesting story too. I don't know if you want me to go into it, but basically um, uh, my grandfather was uh, just underneath uh, fighting age or on the, the boundary of fighting age. So he'd gone off to um, right at the end of the war to go and fight. And my grandmother had just lost her brother. It was his 18th birthday and he'd been mm. shot with an American tank. <laughs> oh. So uh, there was a lot of tragedy in um, Central Europe there, you know, and um, uh, the Russians were coming. And uh, I think the commander basically said, look, um, he was an older man. Oh, well, he was my age. And he said, look, the war's not officially over, but go home, get out of here, you know, because if you get found basically as a soldier, especially with the Russians coming, you know, <laughs> they're, uh, you know, um, you're best just to sneak home, travel by night, sleep by day. And so they slept in hedgerows and things and, and got back. And so when he got back, he was basically in occupied Austria and, um, it was like, uh, uh, you know, the, the Russians had taken over and, and he had a friend that was sent to a gulag and it was it was quite a wow. uh, an anxious time. And I didn't realise until probably I was going through my own stuff um, just uh, how that all shaped his life because he ended up being, him and my grandmother, well, he, he was an intelligent man. He made a... Um, a list of all the places to live uh, that 
had the highest standing of, standard of living, and he sort of came up with Canada, Australia, New Zealand. He went for New Zealand because it was the furthest away from Europe. Okay. Yeah. Fair play. <laughs> and and then he ended up living in these mountains um, out in the back of Nelson, like uh, uh, that are um, very very isolated, like most people in Nelson wouldn't have been through that part of Nelson themselves. So. But when you're traveling up, it does look like you're heading towards the Austrian Alps or something like that. So there's a little flavor of home. So he had a, a him and my, my grandmother had a farm up there. Wow. And um, he basically stayed up there. When the planes came over, they were they were so terrified that they'd run out and they'd hide in the willows, even though the war was over. And um, uh, so I was raised on stories uh, along those lines. And, um, wow. But I... I realized that that part of my grandfather's personality, um, he, he's dead now, you know, um, my grandmother still lives in there. Uh, she um, is having uh, a great time now because uh, he was very focused on that patch of land and now um, she's been able to go to places and, and leave the, the farm a bit more um, and, and go and see things that she hasn't seen before because he was sort of, quite anxious I think and didn't want to leave mm. but I realized why that was you know when I started to uh, discover some of the stories mm. uh, so that's that side of the family uh, and often uh-huh. things like anxiety and depression are hereditary so it's, I think it's quite important to understand where you come from and mm. um, definitely on my your roots. father's my father's side he was raised by interestingly he um, my, my paternal grandfather was in um, uh, Italy and with the New Zealanders and so Monte Cassino and places like that and so uh, like literally I had family probably shooting at each other. Oh my gosh yeah. (laughs) It's ridiculous you know so to think. Um, uh, So yeah he came back from that changed uh, as many men did and um and so it was i think it was very difficult for my father growing up and because he uh he somehow i don't know what it was but he must have looked a little bit like a a german soldier that my um, grandfather had an encounter with because um, my grandfather would um often beat him uh in a drunken stupor uh, thinking that he was a German soldier, you know, he was having flashbacks. Mm. I mean, my my auntie would say, you know, look, there's no way he had PTSD or anything like that. Mm. Of course, it was never um, diagnosed at that time, but I'm looking at Haven from what I know of PTSD now, mm. and I'm like, yeah, that was a very damaged mm. human being, you know. Mm, um, that's trauma. Mm. Yeah. And my grandmother there, she was so lovely, but she was uh, naturally, I think, a very anxious person. And she was, she'd always be, are you all right there? And, you know, um, looking out for people. And um, her and um, my grandfather had an amazing relationship and uh, they loved each other dearly. And I think they were very good for each other. Um, That's uh, lovely. But, mm. Yeah, yeah. But it was, uh, it was hard times for, you know. Uh, mm. my father growing up and he had a learning mm. difficulty which meant that um, school wasn't good 
he got mm. a hard time from the nuns and um <laughs> you know yeah uh, he uh um he ended up becoming a, a linesman and this how's this for full circle i'm living in the valley yeah he was electrocuted in back in 1983 so uh, yeah i know it's spooky it's it like, is um, spooky yeah he uh was so working on 11,000 volts he brushed one of the lines and um, was blown off the top of the pole onto uh, the road below and wow. so uh, um that he's still alive <laughs> he's still alive he's such a yeah i mean talk about resilience uh, like, i love it yeah he's he's a hard man my dad but um, and how you've come yeah. full circle and you're living in the area that he was electrocuted yeah. in yeah. like there could be so many layers of metaphors in that eh? Mm. oh absolutely absolutely i mean that that event changed the course of uh, I think the trajectory for my family, you know, uh, growing up, I was three and um, suddenly I had a, a father who couldn't even pick me up um, and uh, it was an intense pain for most of his, his life uh, on top of having not, not the easiest upbringing. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it sort of it set the stage for a few things and of course, uh i was quite anxious through that um probably naturally okay. an anxious kid hmm. uh and it's funny these things you sort of <laughs> you spend so long being a kid and then the rest of your life you're trying to sort of <laughs> uh, yes. come to terms with that right <laughs> yes definitely definitely yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so um i um i got married uh, quite young and, and uh, I got to my 30s and I was diagnosed with um, uh, like a, a mild form of depression at that time. Um, I'd become a school teacher and so I was, I was basically overworked <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. um, and I'd worked for a couple of years and I burnt out and then my best friend was killed in a snowboarding accident. accident. Um, like, I mean, like, best friend. Like, we shared a room at uni and uh, uh, we were more like brothers, you know. Uh, and and so he, he was killed in a snowboarding accident. Mm. And then my the wheels started to fall off my marriage. That's <laughs> like... Mm. So uh, I ended up going through a divorce. I mean, I'm the father of, I'm the father of two kids, two mm -hmm. beautiful, happy, healthy kids. Mm. Um, but um, that was at the time they were being born too. So it was like a confluence of all these life events. Mm. Uh, and it really knocked me for a six. Yeah. Um, and I was, I found um, uh, religion when I was sort of 17. Mm -hmm. uh, and for me, I think that had really helped uh, me deal with a lot of probably the underlying uh anxiety in my life mm -hmm. um because it, i mean it was almost like a way of um handing it over and not you know the old scriptures you know cast your cares on the lord you know and, and things like that you know and it was quite powerful but then when um things started to hit the fan uh, mm -hmm. 
didn't really feel like I could call on that anymore. And I've come away from that now, mm -hmm. uh, which has been really, really challenging. And I, I like, mm -hmm. I really have a lot of empathy for people who um, have a life change, changing event where their faith or their belief, maybe it's turned upside down, you know, or, or shaken uh, to the point where they, they have to find a new way of looking at the world. That is a very unsettling and difficult process for people to go through. And so, um, yeah, it's not something to be sort of uh, taken mm. lightly that, you know, people mm. with a certain mindset, you know, to change that mindset is, uh, is mm. massive sometimes. Mm. Massive. So that, yeah. that's basically, in a nutshell, um, okay. uh, a very brief history <laughs> how did you know how did you like how did did you have like um they call them pivotal moments that's a form of resilience did you have that like how did you know it's almost like you you hit i, I want to say hit rock bottom but that's not it really it's almost like you were incredibly vulnerable and you had to pretty much face yourself straight on that's mm. that's kind of the image i'm getting is that is that kind of is that right or like what would that you is, say? That's pretty yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, um, it was it was extremely vulnerable. Yeah. Um, yeah, things could have turned out a lot differently than they did. Yeah, and uh, it's not been an easy process coming out of that. You know, mm. it's mm. taken years. Um, it's taken a lot of work and self reflection, mm. and um, you know, uh, this didn't happen for me all at once. It was. Um, one moment where um, uh, I I was at a a, a yoga festival mm -hmm. uh, called Wonderlust in the Central North yeah. Island. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that was very unsettling for me because coming from a, a Christian background, mm -hmm. um, I saw all these people acting mm -hmm. in ways that people would act in church. You know, so it was like. Um, it was like a parallel sort of mm. uh, spiritualism that um, I had encountered in the Christian church. Mm. Here it was in Wonderlust as well. Mm. And um, it wow. really unsettled me. Mm. Uh, and I had um, a great moment in that where I, um, I met up with, uh, uh, I think it was one of the, managers of lululemon <laughs> yeah. yeah okay and i mean she was uh we she her and i connected for some reason um probably because we have the same color here um okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so she almost um it was like an older sister type role you know and i'm the oldest in my family so i didn't i hadn't had that but it was like I was telling her my sob story, you know, and this is what I think is really, really important, you know, um, mm. in our lives is, is that narrative we have, that self-narrative. Mm. And um, I was telling her my story and, um, you know, all about the divorce and, mm. you know, having trouble seeing the kids and things like that. Mm. And uh, she was quite stern and she said, you've got to be really careful with the stories you're telling yourself. And that stuck with me for a long time. And I would say if there was any pivotal moment, that was, well, that was one of them. Wow. Um, 
That's pretty, yeah. that's incredibly strong. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, it was from that, I did a lot of thinking about that mm. and um, started to get better from that point, I think, where I sort mm. of started to really think, you know, um, is the story I'm telling myself absolute reality or is mm. it my version of? And that gave me a lot of uh, strength. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, things like prayer and, and it had carried me along and um, uh, been very, very useful in the past. And I think kept my anxiety in check. Now that my life had fallen apart and I had hit rock, rock bottom, um, you know, I was looking at some pretty dark places with that. Um, he was, I think, the cornerstone of understanding as to how I could start to turn my situation around was maybe revisit some of the stories I was telling myself. Wow. Uh, so so, so no longer just, oh, sorry. So not yeah. letting go. It's almost like prayer and, and religion for you at that time. It sounds like that was letting go is incredibly powerful. And it's almost like at this point you needed something even maybe stronger or something for you that might be stronger and looking at your narratives and the way that you you mm. had looked at your life well yeah that's right i mean um i mean the christian narrative is a great narrative you know mm -hmm. it's a archetypal narrative that you know you're um you're unconditionally loved you know uh mm. it's an amazing narrative and i can understand totally why it gives people so much strength and you know god mm. being the ultimate abstraction of human good you know mm. uh, and so um you know I, i've i've come away from that but of course mm. not having that anymore mm. my life was in turmoil it's like you know mm. nietzsche says god is dead <laughs> like it's not a celebration it's like <laughs> what now <laughs> what fills the gap oh um, my gosh and uh i mean that that was a very dark place to be in and yeah. i mean i I remember being on, um, uh, I was working on a film shoot mm. and I was staying in my van, uh, a little Mitsubishi, no, sorry, uh, Toyota. Okay. Or something, a little white van, um, I can't even remember now. But it was um, on this beach and it was buffeted by the wind at night, you know, it was like having a, you know, a, a rugby player jumping up and down on the bar at night because it was oh just gosh. so windy. Um, yeah. And, and I was at rock bottom and I, I'd met this um, amazing woman to whom I am now married. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and she um, she came over in um, uh, a rental car uh, mm. one night when I was, I, was, I was really down. I mean, she drove a long way to get to me and I, mm. um, I couldn't believe that someone would do that for me, you know, that oh. someone would go out of their way and here I was with um, uh, suicidal thoughts, basically. Um, and uh, I mean, I hadn't said that she didn't know, but uh, she'd come over and um, uh, that relationship uh, with her has been pivotal as well mm. because it's shown mm. me a lot about myself. And she's a very self-aware, reflective mm. person that, um, you know, uh, has made 
an amazing difference. So yeah, people come into your life who make, you know, incredible difference. And um, we ended up buying a dog after that film shoot, Dusty. He's a black Labrador. Uh, and he was really a, a lifeline. He, um, for both mm. of us, changed, changed things, you know, having mm. someone else, something else to take care of rather than mm. being in your head and thinking about having all the, the thoughts swirling around that um, yeah. energy we went on to trying to nurture this wee dog and that made a massive difference for me mm -hmm. and, uh, animals and connection say yeah yeah because spirituality and even relationships i found in our research um like sexual relationships even and with intimate partners can be a huge form of resilience and i know that some people might not want to say that um, possibly because they don't want it to sound too maybe enmeshed or codependent but that's not what that is when I've yeah. seen it in research it's like it's very powerful it can be incredibly powerful for people to have an intimate relationship that someone might support them in ways that they they need that support yeah yeah I've definitely seen that data as well and of course okay. um yeah I mean being aware of codependency yeah too it's like something um you know I, I think that there is this um yeah i mean for me when i was going to the doctor i didn't necessarily find the doctor that i had at the time very useful it was almost like oh yeah just stuck it up you know uh and so uh like she was at work and she was having um uh issues with um anxiety and she got a referral from her work to go and um, do cognitive behavioral therapy and I just I didn't get any of that you know it was like basically it's not bad enough for you but I was the one who was like oh, wow. you know waiting to I mean I, I've, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm big and I'm beardy and so maybe there's a difference there but okay. um, it wasn't if it wasn't for her uh, championing me you know mm -hmm. I wouldn't have got CBT um, and that was mm. another significant thing that um, helped me turn my life around. Nice yeah and yeah. did it help with that kind of reframing and some of the looking at some of the thoughts in a way? Yeah yeah it did. and mm -hmm. from a physiological point of view you know when I get anxious mm. uh, if I can remember because when I get anxious my, my brain goes a little bit uh, <laughs> You know, yeah. stupid. Fair play. <laughs> uh, and I mean, that still happens, you know, but it's not as bad, nearly as bad as what it was. And um, mm. yeah, the, um, you know, learning breathing techniques and, and, you know, learning about getting out and taking good physical care of myself, going and exercising and, um, uh, you know, taking time out for myself to rest mm. as well. Mm. Um, not thinking, you know, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, mm. uh, which I have a tendency to do. And the rumination as well, you know, where the thoughts just go around and around your head and um, they become the reality as they sort of swish around in there and how to sort of um, break into that. And so mm. that was another significant um, mm. factor. And, and I also wonder, is creativity... That's a, I know that that can be a real source of resilience for people. I know for myself and 
Um, I'm just wondering if creativity, because you said films, um, is that, a, was, how is that, do you mind if I ask you a wee bit about that? Like, how has that, yeah, sure. has that supported you or are you okay to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I, um, I took time off um, work uh, when all this hit the fan. I was sort of, uh, um, but I was, that was it. Um, uh, my partner's rec uh, recommendation at the time. Because okay. uh, I would never have considered doing that, taking time off for myself. And um, I, um, I basically went filmmaking and acting for a number of years. And um, I'd always been involved uh, and I'd, I'd always I've been acting for about 30 years now, so okay. uh, it's been a lifelong passion, you know, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, at, at various levels, you know, um, mm. and so I, I, I got an agent in um, uh, Auckland, and um, I, um, she was quite instrumental in getting well too, like she was the type of agent that doesn't treat you like a number, you know, mm. Um, mm. and like I've even been and stayed with her on her property and worked in the garden, you know, um, mm. uh, and she was amazing. She was like an auntie to me, you know, um, mm. and she, the talks that we had, um, you know, and, and the, the challenges that uh, the creativity, like the, the acting opportunities mm. um, gave me mm. where, you know, you have to face a lot of, rejection and judgment mm. when you're acting mm. and so you have to really have your stuff together mm. and it's like um you know uh, i've had a lot of friends that have uh, been quite uh impacted by that you know you do 50 auditions and you might if you're lucky get one uh, most of the time you're getting told you haven't got the role if you're getting told you haven't got the role <laughs> you that's hard sometimes yeah, yeah. Um, mm. and so it, it is tough and then you get on set and um, uh, you know you've got to work through you've got all those people around um, judging your performance and mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of stuff to work through so that was quite good to face some of that and um, for me I learned a lot about myself through being able to do that um, I had some good gigs you know and, and things that I, you know, I feel really good about having mm. the opportunity, very, very privileged to have had the opportunity to do. So um, that was good, you know, the little wins. Yeah. And I think this is the thing too, you know, if you're in a state where you have anxiety or depression or, you know, you can't expect everything just to come right, but it's like little steps, mm. incremental steps, you slowly, slowly um, inch your way forward and uh, you get to a point where you go, oh, wow, I've come a long way, yeah. you know, one step at a time. Nice. Um, so you're building yeah. on your strengths, just taking taking little steps. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And um, I also mm. had a landscaping project at the time in this little house I had, you know, and I built it up beautifully, um, you know, shifting rock in and building retaining walls and um, planting, you know, I'm, uh, I've got a background in botany so okay. um you know i could create this beautiful landscape and i mean that house we've, we've sold it now you know yeah. um but it, 
and also now all that work when I'd go out at the end of the day and just chip away with the shovel and shift tons of earth by hand you know mm. um, that physical activity now I, I look back at that as an incredible achievement because it's like um, wow. that the value that we added to that place um, mm. I didn't realize at the time but it's allowed us to um, live where we do today which is just an absolute mm. amazing paradise uh, so oh, wonderful yeah. and that's it's beautiful how I love the the possibility of you grounding yourself and feeling the earth in a way because I think that that is so powerful to get out of our minds and and continually engaging with our presence um like I think that there's a lot of power in that and that you could chip away like you said I love that chip away and taking small steps and being able to see your achievement and like and and, and also passing it on regardless of like it's awesome that you even you know you're able to live where you are now and that you did something so amazing and, and added so much value yeah yeah I mean if you'd ask me you mm. know when I was in the middle of uh, mm. I, I think it was a sort of as a they call it age 30 crisis or, or whatever okay. it is or transition age 30 transition okay. <laughs> yeah. you know it's like a it's like a uh, an early midlife crisis that um, I haven't heard know, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I think it's a thing. You know, it's I like think I you, did that. Mm. Yeah, you sort of look at um, your life. There's something subconscious going on where you're looking at your life, and maybe you haven't quite got the right model for um, how your life is going. And at that age, there's still time for you to drop it and pick up another one. Although it's an extremely painful process, as I found, but it's mm. sort of, I think that's naturally what happens to a lot of people. And you look at, like, say, for a lot of celebrities, you know, that 27 being quite an important age okay. is probably, um, they're probably just on the cusp of that, you know, um, where something needs to change. Uh, mm. and I, I mean, it can end badly, but um, mm. yeah, for me, um, hitting that, um, and then everything happening, it's kind of like finding a purpose, I think, is really important, or finding a different meaning, you know, uh, uh, purpose and meaning, you know, if you, even though at the end of the day, the universe will end in heat, death, or or whatever, <laughs> and it's like you could say, oh, nothing matters. It's like, well, it depends on your question, you know, the degree of scale, it does matter mm. in the day to day to mm. you as a, a little wee uh, human being scurrying around on the face of the earth. It's like you do need to find yourself some purpose, I think, mm. Mm. Uh, if you want to get well. Um, mm. I think it's, and I'm not saying it's easy. Gosh, I don't know how hard it is. It's not, it's not easy. Mm -mm. Yeah. It's funny too. My, my dad mm. said to me, because my dad had, you know, his body was ripped apart with that, um, Electrocution, you know, 11,000 volts is not that friendly. Well, mm. it kind of is because it comes out and meets you at that voltage. But um, when it, um, you know, I think it blew his ankle off. It was hanging by a few um, ligaments, either that or it snapped when he, he landed. And, um, you know, so he's had his body really battered and bruised and he still can't walk properly to this day. Oh. Oh. But um, he said to me, because um, he's had 
depression and, and anxiety. And um, well, not diagnosed, but I can tell that, you know, the, the fight that I've seen in him is probably in that kettle fish of flight, freeze or fight, his one goes to fight. Right. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, especially because of his background, he's had to really uh, defend himself to survive. But um, he said to me when I was diagnosed with depression, he said, um, shit, Dave, I'd rather lose a, a limb than have uh, depression. And he knew because he'd been through all that. He's mm. tell you what, that man's been through the ringer. Hey, mm. <laughs> it's like, mm. And for him to say that, we suddenly had this new understanding, you know, mm. father and son. And um, uh, I was, that was one of the things that really helped carry me through was because um, I guess we hadn't always been that close because it, it was quite difficult with the, you know, the ongoing nerve injury, injuries that he had. But mm. um, he really came through in that moment. Wow. In his own way. Yeah. yeah. And it was a real the people connection. are so important. Yeah, yes. people are so important. My grandmother and um uh who came out from Austria, you know, I was like, gosh, I feel awful. I'm going through all this, you know, and um you survived a world war <laughs> and you came out here and she said, Well, we were happy, you know, the war wasn't necessarily around us, so it's like um, mm. from day to day. We got on with our lives and um and she but she was a really real champion for me like um, mm. Mm. Uh, because my my mother kind of couldn't handle it that i was you know um the separation i think she was afraid that um she wouldn't get to see her grandkids and um i think for her too it was a bit sort of triggering in terms of what her it's what she went through with my father and um, so she really withdrew from me at that point. And that was probably one of the hardest things uh, because we had always been really close and I told her everything. And um, uh, not having her in my life uh, was devastating. And uh, very, I mean, even now I find it difficult to talk about. But it was her mother, you know, who my grandmother who uh, for a long time became a champion, you know, uh, for me. Mm. Uh, and I'm very grateful to her. You know, she's over 90 now and she's um, still living out in the, in the mountains. And um, yeah, uh, she's a very important person in my life. Mm. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, that connection, it's yeah. vital. It's absolutely yes. vital. And I think yes. particularly if you're a big beardy man like I am you know it's like it's very easy for people to look at you and go um oh yeah you can handle it and uh, uh but inside I think there's a a, a lot of loneliness and, uh, and difficulty in making connection in particular um and hence why I think we've probably got a suicide epidemic <laughs> you know yes. um Mm. where connection isn't being made and it really it's really something that I'd like to see mm. um, change you know just uh, uh, having people be able to connect and, and 
I think they're talking about loneliness epidemics overseas too, you know, like the amount of lonely people out there that, mm. you know, could do with um, some form of connection. And not always the easiest pe- people to connect with. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anxious, depressed people are not the easiest people. <laughs> Take it from me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, a, a friend or a connection family. Mm. You can all make uh, a massive difference, even if you yeah. think you're not. Yeah. Mm. Positive connection too. Hey, mm. sounds like you know. Yeah. I I wanted to ask you what does what do you what does resilience mean to you? Okay, so resilience to me, um, uh, for me, um, I in a real firm believer that if you've got something in your life mm. uh, you need to face it mm. uh, I used to have these nightmares when I was a kid now this doesn't make you laugh but uh, I used to walk past a, a dark doorway mm. in my dreams as a kid uh, and uh, this dark doorway every time I walked past it or if I shouted and made a noise mm. these like uh dog-like creatures would jump out and chase me, run me down and then start devouring me alive and then I'd wake up with a gasp. Yeah, I I know, it's terrible, terrible dreams for kids to have. Wow, Um, many times the same dream? (laughs) It was a recurring dream, yeah, yeah. And then I'd have dreams about um, uh, being strafed by aeroplanes. It might have been my... um, <laughs> the the family history. Uh, yeah, I think so. uh, somehow, yeah, osmosis had come through or something. But um, you know, these recurring dreams about running from uh, you know, military style aircraft and helicopters and all sorts. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, times that I like, I went past the door and I um. I'd fill up some water, a glass of water in my dream, and I'd turn around and I'd throw it on these things that were chasing me, and they'd run off because they didn't like being wet. I was like, I just kept playing with that in my dream <laughs> as a kid, wow. you know? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I just get so annoyed with these things, you know? It's like, uh, and so it came to a point where I stopped dreaming about it, you know, because it suddenly it was not an obstacle. The, I got wow. so good at hiding from these aircraft because I could hear them coming, so I'd just go and hide. Um, <laughs> they, they stopped being a problem because it was like, uh, and then in later life wow. when I was, uh, you know, in university and exams, I used to have, you know, the anxiety dreams that you get about exams where mm-hmm. you're in the exam and you can't read the paper. You get, you've had those dreams, right? Oh, oh I would, I, I would, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Lots of anxiety. You know oh, yeah. 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 Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And mm-hmm. so um, I would have this recurring dream about being in the lecture hall doing the exam. I'm sitting there and I can't read the paper and I'm, oh, my gosh, my life is over. You know, and then one time I dreamt that I've done this exam. This is a dream. I don't have to do this anymore. I got mm-hmm. up and I walked out of the theater and I left the exam paper behind it and I have not had that anxiety dream again wow um, and it's so like a resolute almost like a resolution yeah i mean it's it's not for me it's like i think who's it young who says that um maybe uh 
I've mentioned the bad name, sorry, but um, <laughs> he mentioned that maybe um, we are constantly dreaming, you know, maybe even the way we interpret reality is by form of a, you know, a dream, and that dream continues when we're at, you know, we're mm. uh, asleep at night, um, mm. and, but that's what we call the dream, huh. but um, in a way, maybe that's how we perceive reality as well uh, during the day, you know, it's sort mm. of coming through some sort of filter, uh, yeah. but the, what I get from that for resilience is that um, the story of fronting up to your fears is mm. very important. Mm. And um, one of the things that really helped me, mm. and this is just because um, of the way my mind works, I guess, is that I listened to a lot of university lectures and podcasts um, from psychologists and all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. um, and while I was out there doing my landscaping, I'd have my headphones in and I would be absorbing this stuff, you know, and improving myself. And um, mm -hmm. one of the most important things I learned was to actually face these things like the anxiety naturally made me want to hide uh, like there were times when I couldn't leave the house like it was that bad um, where um, I would literally be bent over and you know fetal position the shower and my partner just sort of stroking my back trying to um, like it was it was rock bottom I mean it, it was chronic anxiety uh, of an extreme form and um, you know clawing your way out of that isn't easy but it was I found knowledge really powerful mm. doing that mm -hmm. and so mm. and again going back to stories and this might be because I'm a writer and I'm a, an actor but um, the idea you know the archetypes and the, the mythology you know the, the hero that faces the dragon and gets the gold mm. you know it's like uh, that's a really powerful metaphor for life. You know, it's like you have to face something quite nasty to get the reward. Um, and, you know, there's an evolutionary truth in that too. You know, you, you throw a rubber snake into an enclosure of chimps mm. and they may not have ever seen a snake before, but mm. they will behave in a certain way. You know, it's hardwired in. They will look at that snake they will look at that rubber snake and then maybe there's a brave one that comes along and gives a, a tap with a stick or something like that. Yeah. It's like in my wow. dream when I was like, you know, I'd turn around and I'd throw a cup of water on those monsters that were chasing me, you know, it's mm. like, uh, or I walked out of the exam, you know, I, um, for an anxious wow. person, that's a big deal to do that, but it does build resilience. And mm -hmm. I would go mm. a step further. Mm to say that these things are necessary for your growth. Uh, mm. And it's like, um, nice. uh, there's a guy called Jonathan Haidt, who I was, um, H-A-I-D-T, okay. who I was telling you about, a psychologist. And um, yeah. uh, he wrote the, the Coddling of the American Mind. And his big thing is uh, going from resilience mm to anti-fragility and so the way he describes it is um you know you have a, a ceramic cup you know a cup of tea mm. in the morning and you drop the cup and it smashes okay so that's fragile mm. resilient you've got the archerite cup and you drop it and it bounces because it's made of a sterner stuff mm. but anti-fragility is where you drop that cup and somehow it gets better you know um and so 
Uh, oh, I like that. That's yeah. that's really powerful. Mm. And it's almost like the immune response when you deprive the immune system of dirt. Like, um, you know, mm -hmm. we've seen a massive increase in allergies in the Western mm -hmm. world, right? but we've also seen a massive increase in um, cleanliness and, uh, you know, sterilization and, and all sorts of things like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. um, and there may that correlation may be a factor, you know, uh, depriving the immune system of the little wee challenges it has to face to develop, and so it starts to turn in on itself and attack itself, you know, and you get allergies. It's almost, uh, uh, in a way, what happens with the, the human uh, mind, you know, if, mm -hmm. if, if you're not um, fronting up to those challenges, um, then, and of course, there's a degree, you know, if you're getting um, the shit kicked out of you or something like that. I mean, it's it's mm. no good. It's gonna mm. it's gonna leave a mark, and you're gonna have to you know, work through some stuff later on. But it's like there is an optimum level of uh, challenge mm. that will actually make you grow and strong, make you resilient, make you anti fragile, so you actually become better than you were. Mm -hmm. So I was diagnosed with PTSD um, from you know various things that were going on, yeah. uh, and that was um, difficult to um, deal with. And it was like the thing that helped me was going back to creativity. Was I made a film mm -hmm. at the time, um, and it was about. Um, a soldier returning with PTSD from um, a conflict and um, him not being able to get off this bus. Mm. And in research, researching the subject matter, it took me through how PTSD is treated. Mm. And I stumbled on it in one of these lectures that I was listening to. You know, I was, I was listening to a Jordan Peterson lecture. Um, and this was before he, you know, I know you're Canadian. Too, but this was before the, the 616 thing blew up. But um, I just found it this one kernel of truth to be so useful. It was like, you know, uh, gradual, voluntary re exposure to the trauma, you know, it's like would help people get better. And so it was like if someone had a fear of elevators, you know, it was literally these tiny steps, like you talk about the elevator. You show them pictures of the elevator. You go to an elevator. Maybe you get a meter closer to the elevator. Maybe you get to the point where you can touch the elevator. Maybe you get to the point where you can put your head inside and pull it out, you know. Yeah. And then you get to the point where you're actually inside the elevator and you can push the button. Mm. Uh, but you have to hold the door. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and then these, these steps where, um, you, you know, it's – it's got to be gradual. You can't overwhelm the nervous system with mm -hmm. the stimulus. Um, and it's got to be voluntary. So there's got to be a decision made by the person who's suffering to start on that gradual journey, climbing that mountain. And um, I think that was um, probably one of the pivotal things that saved my life, you know, was hearing that advice. Mm -hmm. uh, and it gave me an idea of how how to sort of build that build that resilience back. And it wasn't that mm -hmm. I wasn't 
becoming less afraid you know I was being braver if you know what I mean mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Um, and now I have a you know my 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 son um, I he's a lot like I was as a kid and um, I think mm. that he um, has some level of anxiety uh, and um, it's good that we, we're aware of it, you know, because when I went through my stuff, even though the family history, I mean, we just had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but with this, like I take him aside and we can talk about it, you know, and um, mm-hmm. it's like my own father with me, you know, even though he was, I went through, <laughs> went through quite a lot, maybe wasn't uh, the best dad, but um, at that point he came through, you know, and um, mm-hmm. so, you know, these are things that, I'm trying to instill in him too mm. to be able to um, mm. master because he talks to me quietly, you know, take me aside and say, Dad, I feel really afraid about this and that. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what, son? Mm. Being afraid isn't anything to do with not being brave. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's so wonderful. That's in fact, beautiful. you have to have some fear to be brave, you know. So, you do. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, and it must be hard too because his sister is, she's always been such a, a courageous wee soul, you know, she'll, she'll pick up spiders in her hand, you know, she's like uh, one of those <laughs> kids that just, you know, and she'll she'll stand up to you too, you know, so go and clean your room. No thanks. And she walks out the door. <laughs> <you know? laughs> uh, whereas he, you know, he's much more um, uh, conscientious probably because mm-hmm. of that higher anxiety mm-hmm. setting. Mm. Um, I mean, that's something that I'm. Mm. It's a good project for me to work mm. on. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And it sounds like through your journey, it sounds like, you know, um, I just think of becoming resolute. Like your, maybe your genes and your DNA, and there's something in you that is continuing to fight to see the light and to fight for a better purpose and to grow and to flourish and to thrive. And it sounds like it's pushing through, um, through different generations in your family. Even the fact that you've moved back to where your dad has been electrocuted. It's like, it's like face those fears, get in there, you know, get your hands dirty, chip away at the dirt and, and face those demons. Yeah. And even mean, with, for it, yeah, wow. For anyone listening, you know, and you're going through this and going, ah, oh, yeah, I'm not there, you know, I'm mm-hmm. struggling mm-hmm. with this. I mean, it's like I was you, and um, mm-hmm. it, it's um, I would get people giving me books on anxiety, and the last thing an anxious person wants oh. is to read about another person's anxiety, and, and yeah. t- unless you're at the point where it's like you realize that actually, no, you're not alone. There are a lot of people who feel this way, and it's like mm-hmm. I, I heard one person just sort of talk about the natural state of being a human being. You know, if we took away civilization, we were just running around in the wild like we we did once. You know, mm-hmm. hundreds of mm-hmm. thousands of years ago, um, where there were things that could hunt us and kill us. You know, we had this nervous system developed for a reason to keep us yeah. alive. Yeah, uh, and the stakes were a lot higher. You know, you. Um, <laughs> Uh, and, and we still live 
with that wiring and it's like uh the wonder is that there are people that are not anxious <laughs> it's so yeah. like being anxious is is the normal state of humanity it's uh you know um and i still struggle with it you know there are moments that i have down days and um you know i and i feel really defeated because it's like oh this thing you know um and i just got to pick myself up you know tomorrow's Mm. another day and try again and um you know uh, and just remember these these lessons you know that um yeah you're not alone Mm. Uh, and yeah you have a lot of ancestors (laughs) who survived because they were anxious you removed the anxious monkeys Mm. from a uh, a That's tribe right. a, a troop of monkeys and that that troop doesn't do so well because they don't no. know about the, <laughs> the snakes <laughs> and the tigers that are That's right. there, you know <laughs> yeah yeah definitely and i think yeah. the you know the upside of being anxious is is the fact that you know incredibly um analytical and quick and you can think of where the danger is um you know like you said we're the strong these are we are the strong species yeah um, you're the sentinels that that um you watch you know and you keep other people around you alive well that's mm-hmm. what your role would have been you know right. mm. um yeah and it's it's um i mean that's going back to the story you know mm. what is the story you're telling yourself and if that's mm. part of that story is that okay i have this inherited thing that um helped my species to survive how can i mm-hmm. uh realize that and adjust for that and mm-hmm. maybe even use it i mean with me it's great when i'm doing my acting because like if i have to act a scary scene i'm there you know <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you know I'm, I'm on a date and uh you know i have to be nervous it's like uh, tapping right into that <laughs> i got it yeah yeah no kidding. You know, in, a, in a in a scene or something like that it's um yeah i don't have mm-hmm. to do the acting it's good <laughs> mm, yeah no kidding yeah yeah, yeah. I think that's so cool. I wanted to say something and I, it's just gone. It's okay. It'll come back to me. It's all right. Yeah. 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 Well, I really, I really wanted to thank you and, and I really appreciate, I hope it's okay to say this, but you know, like you say, you're a bearded man. And I think it's so powerful for men also to be speaking up about this and the fact that men, you know, all species, we all face challenges and we, and it's about being vulnerable too. Like you went, yeah. it sounds like you went through a, a, a massive piece of being vulnerable and you, you know, this is becoming vulnerable as well and talking about our wounds and our process of healing. Yeah. Um, that is yeah. something in that too, you know, because it's like, um, you know, what feminism gets right, I think is um, it says that we play roles, you know, we play gender roles. And um, the reason we play those roles are um, because they've helped our species to survive. Uh, and so, you know, um, and part of the male role is to be resilient. My, my wife always talks about, well, or had the appearance of being resilient, rather. Mm-hmm. But really, you know, they talk about, um, uh, what's it called? Was it precarious masculinity or something like that? Um, I can't remember the word, but um, it's my wife talks about it with our dog. You know, she says, "Oh, look, 
the dog um, is probably feeling more, you know, the dog's a bit crook or maybe the dog's hit itself or something like that. She said, oh, I've read somewhere that dogs um, uh, don't show pain because they're a social, you know, show less pain in their feeling because they're a social animal. And if they show their weakness, then they're likely to get attacked by, you know, and I don't know if that's true or not, but. Yeah, um, I can see that like, definitely. Mm. It's a little bit like, because the role men have traditionally, you know, evolutionary had, had to fill, mm. and the men that are our heroes and, um, you know, the archetypes of what um, a man should be, um, set men up to uh, struggle quite a lot with this, you know, like it's not, it's not easy to talk about, and maybe there's a difference in the way that we handle it. You know, we're looking at medicines now that are um, uh, gender specific. So, we, you know, we've got medicines that can help um, women and, and men. Uh, like we're looking at it from a physiological point of view and going, oh, actually there are slight differences, which flies in the face of a lot of what we're being told. Um, and it doesn't mean one's better than the other or not, but it, it does mean that you know, we can help people better by looking at the differences. And so it might be that, um, you know, th there is something that men do that they are doing right. Uh, for example, you know, you look at depression. Um, maybe it's a diagnosis thing. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I, but what I do know is that just being free to have the discussion about it is very, very important. It's going to help a lot of people. But, um, yeah, I think um, definitely the, the, the role of, you know, because this, this is what I found, you know, it's like when I was going through my stuff and I would cry in public places, <laughs> I was a mess. And, you know, one thing that used to get me down was if um, my partner did that, she would get instant comfort people care and want to know if she was okay and they'd refer her to CBT <laughs> if I did that then I was somehow a danger you know I it was a threat mm -hmm. and it was very uncomfortable and so it's like that role and it's nobody's fault it's just a role you know mm -hmm. we we just have our brain takes these shortcuts to how we um, mm -hmm. uh, categorize people mm -hmm. and um, you know the um, that role, I think, is quite uh, detrimental sometimes in terms of getting help mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and feeling that you can talk about it. And, and in talking about it, too, like mm -hmm. I've got to say, there is a risk. You know, there, I have talked about my anxiety and I have had, um, uh, I've missed out on opportunities because of it uh, and I've had people withdraw because of it. Uh, so there is still a stigma out there that, um, you know, to talk about it is a risk. Mm -hmm. And um, I also have to think, you know, is it some, is talking about it necessarily the way that all people operate? Maybe it's doing something um, instead of talking, you know. So not talking about something might not be a, a weakness, you know. Mm -hmm. It might actually be a strength. Yeah. Um, be. because you know different people need to do different things and I found that um, too much talking about it mm. 
could spiral me down and it wasn't mm-hmm. until I went out and I did things like I, I, I yeah. like you say, getting grounded, getting out in the yes. earth and, and digging, mm-hmm. you know, that's mm-hmm. another way of dealing with uh, your grief and your Absolutely. anxiety and your depression. Yeah. And I don't think that should be seen as uh, um, you're less of a human being because mm-hmm. you don't necessarily talk about it to the same degree. I agree um, fully. So yeah. Mm. Maybe a greater recognition that there are different ways people process mm. these things yeah. uh, will help with that. Mm. Um, perhaps. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I'm trying to work it out too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On this great journey of life. Like, yeah. I, I, I think there's something about each of us finding our own way and that I, I truly believe there's something in us that is always unscathed, untouched there's a constant in us and it's a, I think that it's intergenerational there's a light within us all and and we need to go into the light and I think that is a huge like I'm hearing a really strong metaphor in, in you too and I think that lenses like different categories and western categories we like to put people in boxes and we like to have labels and it's mm. very um you know Confucius thinking um and also I think there's a huge strength in just opening up and allowing things to unspiral naturally and allowing our light to shine through and not knowing what it is, but going into that light. And I can really see that you've done that um, massively. And, and, um, and I, I just, I just try to remove the labels as much as possible and looking why, why is that there? It's, it's pain. It's a wound. It's trauma, you know. Um, yeah, well, I'm really thankful. For, yeah, really grateful for people like yourself, you know, like um, uh, because you dealing with this, you know, dealing with human beings, um, you know, having that compassion is so special. You know, it really makes a difference to to people suffering. Mm. Um, compassion, you know, and they could be. Mm-hmm. Um, compassion can really turn people around and it's like um, I heard someone say once that people seldom change their mind unless they feel psychologically safe mm-hmm. or they you know and that could apply to the way you turn your life around you know if you've got someone wagging their finger at you and saying oh you're not doing this you're not doing that as opposed to someone who's like maybe putting themselves in your shoes and um, you know they're from a different walk of life but they can understand uh, with compassion, uh, then that, that can be a game changer for people. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I think you got a good thing there. It's good. Thank you. <laughs> I don't, you know, marketing for me was way more stressful than talking about feelings. Feelings is like, it's, I think you find your light, eh? And it's all yeah. in us, that beautiful intuition. And, and I, and I love how indigenous, um, they, you know, it's, we hold our ancestors behind us and they're with us now. And, you know, they're all, we're all opening it for them. When we heal, they heal. Um, you know, and that's my own opinion and belief. Um, but I think there's a real power there. That is so, um, amazing. Yeah. To, to think, cause I've been thinking that too, you know, not like I, Mm. I've got a real love for history Mm. and like, um, you know, like my family, Papa, that you know, goes right back. 
um, to the central North Island, uh, mm. you know, it's and, and then the European ones too that go back to, you know, Central Europe and the, mm. uh, and Britain. And then I sort of think, well, what before that, you know, people um, coming out of Africa and, <laughs> you know, mm. uh, mingling with the Neanderthals or, or whatever, you know, these, these people, like, we're not that different Mm-hmm. to these ancestors that go back and um, you know uh, I, I often try and put myself in, in those shoes you know it's like well, and, and what would they think of my life today <laughs> and um, you know uh, that, that, again going back to that connectivity you know we are all connected mm-hmm. and if we can find that um way to connect with with people people and not there's there's malevolence in the world and then you know uh but there are people who genuinely want the best for you and those are the people they have around you uh, mm-hmm. and uh on the same token maybe there are some people around you that um aren't necessarily the best to have around you and you might need to make some changes, but I mean, it, it just comes back to connectivity, and um, uh, yeah, I think it's very important, especially if you're you're going to build resilience to have people around you. For me, um, I don't want to sound contradictory because it's like, um, you know, I've just said, oh, maybe you know, uh, doing, you know, going and processing your grief by doing or whatever. It's one way of attacking it. It's like, for me, definitely, I need to talk. I need to talk about it. And um, I found that I've worked out what's going on by being able to have discussions uh, with people who've been there and who, who maybe were through a little bit further on uh, than me. Um, there was a guy who I was learning Meisen technique from um, uh, an actor rick and he was 40 at the time i was 30 i'm his age now and um he had gone through a divorce with two kids and uh he was we were doing these uh pretty extreme acting exercises and common themes of shame and self-blame kept coming through and he took me aside he said well you really got to be kind to yourself and he was Mm -hmm. another one that mm. you know i would say had a significant impact on my life um mm. where he gave me permission to be kind to myself i mean it sounds stupid that i needed permission to do that but um i mean acting for me i think i got into mm. it too because um i was trying to deal with things from a very young age and um uh, part of that that process of trying to work out was work things out was um acting gave me permission to feel mm. things you know to actually feel instead of yes. being um you know under that strict sort of kiwi male um yeah. uh, role mm-hmm. that, that i that i grew up with where mm. you don't complain uh you you get on with it um mm. head down you work hard and you provide and you protect your family and it's like well, there's other things underneath there that's sort of bouncing against that ceiling. How do you deal with that? And, and so acting, I think, looking back, oh, okay. that's how I fell into acting because it was me trying to process a lot of that mm. uh, stuff. Um, mm. Yeah, and it's been 
very useful tool. That's super cool. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Okay, well, um, I really appreciate your time and thank you so much. I, I really do, um, you know, thank you so much for being here and talking about your story and being um, vulnerable, which is massive power in that as well. Um, and you, you have an amazing story and thank you. I really want to thank you for, for that. having me. Like, um, yeah. I'm very grateful to be able to share and um, yeah. especially if it does speak to someone out there who, who mm. is where I was maybe and, and yeah. can't quite see the way ahead. Mm. Um, you know, I, I really hope that um, what you're doing here um, is a light for a lot of people. You know, uh, it's a, mm. a good thing to have these mm. discussions. I think so. I think it's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. And um, did you have any last words that you want to say for this podcast? Last uh, words. I don't like saying that. Last words. <laughs> <laughs> to end on a final note. Yes. Um, I'd probably echo the words um, that my acting tutor gave to me, which was be kind to yourself. I like you it. afford to be kind to yourself. Thank you. All right. And that doesn't mean eating all the ice cream (laughs) 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 or having all the beers. It it means giving yourself permission just to um, sit down, have a rest, reflect on things, and um, just be kind to yourself as though you're someone that uh, you're in charge of taking care of. I mean, that's a. Mm a good way to look at yourself like for me sometimes i've had to look at myself as though i am my own son mm. uh, because you know people don't treat themselves very nicely in some cases you know most cases we you know we will buy medicine for our pets over buying medicine for ourselves i think that's um mm. the study that actually found that and it's like wow. it says something about the human condition that um maybe we're not so uh, we're pretty pretty hard on ourselves sometimes. Mm, I think so. Yeah, I can mm. say that for myself too. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. 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 Cool. Okay. Well, this has Thank been you. great. Thank you. Awesome. Go seize the day. Take care. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. I'll see Hi. you later. Okay. Bye. Kiara, welcome to Voices of Resilience Radio. This is Voices of Resilience Radio. I hope you found this truly inspiring and uplifting and that you've gained some gems along the way of your healing journey. Remember to be gentle on yourself and go well. For more episodes just like this, please remember to subscribe on rss.com, Spotify, or from my website at chrissygelmar.com. I'd love to receive your feedback, suggestions, and you can provide this also on my website. If you'd like to be on the show, please fill out my Be My Guest web form also on my website. Keep shining your gorgeous light.